Step right this way, folks. The show is about to begin. Right this way. Listen, honey. We've all got to die sometime. Sure, but when a card falls on the floor, whatever happens, good or bad, is going to happen fast. I am getting a, a feeling, I'm getting a sensation that, that not only is your name Deirdre, but that also this is all the best lines. <laughs> oh, are we, have we started? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, wow, I see what you did there. See, yeah. wasn't that good? Yeah, I, th- I thought that was a really clever intro, but then the, the look of manic shock on your face proved otherwise. <laughs> Don't pull that face again. <laughs> that was very clever. Thank you. Um, I don't know if that's what astounded me so much. <laughs> oh, 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 straight in there. <laughs> no, it was, it was very good. Um, I'm sorry for, for those of you who just joined us. Smokey was talking about drinks one minute and then uh, cigarettes and shopping one minute and then literally started the show. And I was like, yeah. oh. <laughs> I did. Well, you did say so, it. You started it. And I went, yes. <laughs> uh, do you know what I should have done? I should have consulted my tarot cards to find you out what done. you were doing. You should have done. Yes, yes. See, mine wasn't as clever as yours. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was terrible. Anyway, how are, how are you, my friend? I'm very well. How are you, Smokey Dukes? Mm, oh, uh, I'm, I'm lovely, thank you. Yes, it's, it's wonderful to be back together again and mm. talk, talking nonsense about a film, eventually, all, I'm sure. All the best nonsense. That's what all we talk. Best, all, <laughs> all the best lies. <laughs> 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 yeah, uh, it's great. And uh, just got to say, the uh, the wonderful reaction to you, uh, kind of, how do, how do I word this? Audio, audioly spamming me in the last episode with so many ABBA. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, listen, I listened to that back and, and granted, you know, I'm not an ABBA fan. And so I missed so many of their song titles that you were saying out. And so I know you sat- did. I know. That's why I kept cracking up. You were I like, know. yeah. I'd, I said one and you were like, yeah, I really agree with you on that point. <laughs> but, but also you were laughing at what I was saying. I thought, bloody hell, I'm being really funny tonight. Funnier than normal. But no, it was Adam making himself laugh. Oh, I'm sorry. I can't help it. I'm the- Got my own back, though. I'm that sad. Yeah, I know you did. You you whacked in a bit of maiden at the end, didn't you? Certainly did, mate. <laughs> that was just for you, just for you, and you alone. It must be it must be nice to whack in a maiden again. Cool. What? I haven't done that since I was twelve. Ugh. Jesus! Oh, God! <laughs> anyway, fourteen shows we lasted. <laughs> Fourteen shows before I broke Adam. <laughs> Good heavens! Please, everyone, please, please give us another chance. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's 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 move on to, to happier topics, shall we? Um, <laughs> Sounds like a happy topic to me. <laughs> <laughs> happier, happier. <laughs> um, well, I I think there's only really one thing that you know that we have to to say at the beginning of this episode, and that is. Happy anniversary, darling. Yes, it's a year, isn't it? It certainly is, my friend. Well, 14 episodes in 12 months is not bad going, really. Not really. I mean, we're nowhere near the speed of our, I don't know if you call it a sister show. It's more like a, you know, a bastard stepchild show, The House of (laughs) Hammer. Um, I mean, we're cranking them out like once every 10 days there. But yeah, I mean, congratulations. It's been a pleasure, hasn't it, to to do this for a year. Yes, it really um, has, yeah. I'm contractually obliged to say that. 
No, come on, mate. It's it's been wonderful. <laughs> I've, I've, I know you are, you cheap. Um, but I, I no, you've introduced me to some absolutely magnificent films and some all right films and some eh, films. But yeah, no, it's you know, yeah. But um, no, I, but for um, I mentioned it when I guested on our, our mutual friend Zach show. Um, uh-huh. uh, the the old uh, Ballyhoo uh, review that um, I. It, to, I, I wanted to give us a, a sort of a doorway for other people who, who sort of avoid uh, golden age cinema, and you know, and if they're like-minded, like like me, in sort of that, the, the, do you think they're not for you? Then hopefully, this this show has proved that they absolutely can be. I think that was my um, hope for it as well. Coming in, mm. I thought long, long a long time ago about doing a book of some kind. As in, if you want to get into old movies and you like films, then here's a guide of the. If you like this film, you'll like this film. You like this film. Uh, this film. Like a so like when, a beginner's guide. Yeah, kind of, kind of thing. And when when you sort of raised this idea, you were originally going to do it with someone else, weren't you? And that yes, sort of that's fell right. through. And I was like, you know what? This might be a good opportunity to to flesh that idea out. And so I sort of invited myself in. But I do think, um, I do think that a lot of people are daunted slightly by mm. the fact that there are, you know, it's not just like, it's not just like 50 or 60 films that are black. Mm. And, you know, there are thousands, tens yep. of thousands of films with tens of thousands of, you know, uh, characters and <clears throat> well, all these ca- different case, genres. And ca- Sorry, I was just going to say, sorry to interrupt, but case in point mm. is you're uh, along with, in conjunction with the house of Hammond, you're still discovering films and actors and actresses that you'd never knew mm. of before and you're you're mr golden age cinema yeah totally am yeah i'm still i'm still learning as well it's, it's great as well especially when you stumble on people like like high hazel from our oh, house oh my i've never heard of her before but my god she's amazing yep so yeah i think it's, it's very daunting for people i think but if you love films and you love cinema and you're willing to give things a try but you just don't know where to start then i think a show like this is kind of a it's a good cliff notes you know, yeah. it's a good, it's a good, uh, it's a good, like beginner's guide. It's a, it's for dummies. Let's just get you in and show you someone. And if you like that person, you'll like this thing. And if you like, you know, this kind of genre, you like this film kind of thing. Go- um, Golden Age cinema for dummies. I kind of like that. I can see yeah. the cover of the book. <laughs> we should have called uh, the podcast that and but, used but, the four dummies sign and got sued out of existence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're pa- they're powerful, man. Don't mess yeah. with them. But well, they're, um, they're suing for dummies. Yeah, well, yeah, good point. But uh, but also, it's the thing is that I, what I also like is that we haven't really, you know, we haven't hit the big hitters really. We haven't we haven't gone for Casablanca or Gone with the Wind or things like that. We've gone for the ones that have come into your head, uh, possibly a little lesser known, and mm-hmm. uh, especially to people who are not in this, you know, au fait with this genre. Then yeah, I, and so I think in that respect, I think we've done bloody well. Well, I think the the, the interesting thing about picking lesser seen films mm. or unexpected films is that if you can hook someone with a film like The Devil Doll, it mm. makes you it makes you go, oh, I like that. Or you know, if you hate it, that's fine. But if you like it, then you'll love it. You know, mm. so um, it makes you want to seek out. Lionel Barrymore or yes. Todd Browning a bit more than if you watch Dracula because Dracula is so arch and so overseen and you've seen all the clips already so it's mm-hmm. kind of like there's nothing really that makes you want to dig deeper yeah case in point actually I did actually reflect upon this very point tonight when I was re-watching 
tonight's choice. You asked me for a Joan Blondell film. I did. And <clears throat> the temptation was, of course, I mean, we watched the Joan Blondell film in the last episode, Footlight mm-hmm. Parade. It's not like she's unfamiliar to us. No. But I did think to myself that, you know, the temptation would be here to pick a, a mid-30s bubbly comic, you know, drama or comic thriller, something mm. where she's all, you know, the sauce pot that people know her and adore her for. Sure. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. No. But what what <laughs> might be more interesting to show Smokey something completely unexpected, mm. you know, a late 40s noir in which she really gets the show off her acting chops. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, she's kind, she's not, a, I mean, she, she almost plays a parody of herself in some of her 30s comedies, but. Right, okay. In tonight's choice, I mean, we'll mm-hmm. get to it in a bit. I'm just, you we know, will. this is my long way of saying yeah, yeah. Thank you, and it's been an honour for a year. Ah, oh, bless you. But um, yeah, I do think uh, this film especially shows off a side that perhaps many people don't know about. Dream long now. Yeah. Anyway, I it's been an honour, and cheers. Uh, I've got a drink. Cheer- you got a drink. Cheers to cheers, you. Cheers, my good friend. Happy <laughs> one year anniversary. Cheers um, to you, my friend. Friend. But no, uh, as Adam mentioned, I think we've mentioned on the show before. Yeah, this this podcast came about. I, I I wanted to to splinter off from what I was doing of of my horror podcast of Rated H. I wanted to do something else. Don't get me wrong, I'd love that show. I I still love making it, and I always will. But I just because I was in your film club, and uh, and I do I you know I, I'm a Hitchcock fan before any of this, and uh, ultimately and and things to do with that. But when it came to Golden Age Cinema, I was kind of bit clueless. Or just just ill informed or whatever, whatever you wish to call it, and so yeah, I came up with the idea of a bit, it, it, not specifically, but yeah, uh, for want of a better term, a beginner's guide to to golden age cinema, and and yeah, and I had this plan with uh, someone else. Unfortunately, that fell through, and I yeah, I remember you and I talking about it. So just over a year ago, maybe eighteen months ago, and just sort of saying, well, unfortunately, that's not going to happen. It's all. You know, gone. To, and the only reason I never asked you, mate, was because you were always you were so busy, and you still are. Um, <laughs> but but then when you offered to do it, I was like, holy shit! You know, maybe I should have asked you first, but I just never thought you would have the time. Well, so it was uh, our first podcasting venture together, wasn't it? <clears throat> really? It's, it, it's, well, yes, it is absolutely, yeah. Mm. And uh, and and yeah, so I am forever grateful that you you have found the time to do our little show, and and it, I know it brings uh, uh, people. Uh, a measure of uh, comfort and uh, hilarity <laughs> for, for, when, for when we have a go at each other or swear at each other or uh, read out in uncomfortable emails. And so, yeah, it's, um, yeah, but it has, it's, it's been an absolute, absolutely beautiful journey. And uh, I, I hope for many more episodes because I'm, I'm loving where this is going. And uh, yeah, and uh, and of course, b- bearing in mind, Adam and listeners, is that uh, yeah, episode fifteen is coming up, which is my choice. <laughs> well, I can I can only echo your sentiments. You know, this this show is is very great pleasure to work on. I don't ever think, oh God, this is going to be a lot of work tonight. It's always you know a film that is exciting to me, which is yeah the key. Um, I, there are always films that are interesting to talk about, whether you like them or not. Mm. And plus, you know, spending time with you, Smokey, oh, always thank a pleasure. You, this is no, this is no problem at all, is it? You know, it's no. basically just. It's, it, if anything, it forces me to stop working and have a chat about films with my friend instead of. Exactly. Um, that's 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 exactly the way them. I look at it. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Yeah. That, I. I 
I look at it exactly the same way. It is an hour of sitting down with a good friend and chatting about a film that that you've recommended and that you can guess pretty much on the head normally that I will enjoy. And um and yeah, uh and before we move on, I would I would also like to thank uh, also, I haven't thanked anyone apart from you, but uh, yeah, I'd also like to just uh, point out um, our guests that we've had on in the last year. So, uh, Stacy, Tom, and Ali—they uh, were very all—all all three of them were very game. I can't remember about Ali, but I do know Stacy and Tom were quite drunk. But uh, I can't remember. I don't think Ali was. I, I think he was. Uh, oh, wasn't he going off to meet his in-laws or something to watch the football? So he couldn't yeah, get too drunk. I think he was. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Ali was too. He was far too knowledgeable. And uh, eloquent to be yeah. drunk, or perhaps perhaps he isn't normally, and he is when he's drunk. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Poor Ali. <laughs> what Ali, what we're, what, Ali, what we're trying to say is thank you. <laughs> <clears throat> Ali, love you. Tom, yeah, love you, Stacy. You know we, we love you. We love you, Tom, and we love you, Stacy. We, you know, we do. So yeah, so thank you to everyone who uh, who has listened and, and got in touch and and you know made uh, very good uh, all the best lines puns in the uh, in the old film club. That's always fun to see as well. Um, uh, but yeah, before we move on to the film, I I do unfortunately have some bad news though, my friend. Is go that uh, that the streak has been broken? Mm. We have no emails tonight. Well, that's okay. <laughs> you, seem right quite, you seem quite pleased with that yeah <laughs> right, right i could write a fake one if you want <laughs> in fact i think we should delete our email account <laughs> <laughs> right okay all the best lines no longer has a gmail account. thank you you've had your chance that's it no longer contactable <laughs> or Listeners, you go the other way, and all of you, as many as you as possible, send in emails for the next episode. Don't you dare! <laughs> <laughs> oh, can you imagine? Can you imagine like the first like hour of the episode will just be pure emails, all just designed to make you bury your head. If in anyone your does that, I will break into their homes and fill their shoes with urine. Wow, my word! I didn't see that going that way. <laughs> I was well, you, thinking, never, like, you never do with the urine thief. <laughs> <laughs> didn't didn't Mud sing about that? Oh no, that was Tiger Feet, wasn't it? Sorry, um, but yeah, yeah. But no, I was thinking like I don't know, shaving cream or mud or dog poo or something. But no, you're actually going to in people's shoes. Oh, I didn't say I was going to do. Uh, uh, oh, where are you going to get urine from? I've been. Uh... Slowly breaking into your house every night for the past few <laughs> weeks. I have I have a good magnum's worth at the moment. <laughs> oh God! And you were having to go at me for bringing the tone down. <laughs> this, is the tone. this is a this is a sound villainous plan. I'm, I'm is it really? Mm-hmm. Is it really? Okay. Yes, it you, 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 It sounded like you almost slipped in, into your David Bowie impression there. <laughs> <laughs> if you turn it this way, it'll show you your dreams. <laughs> oh, my oh, God. I, 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 still swear that, I still swear that's better than your Karloff. So, anyway. <laughs> um, come on, Ed. Let, let's talk about a film, shall we, my friend? Okay. Okay, so this was your choice. I, I, as you say, I, I wanted uh, another Joan Bloodale film because, uh, oh, I, I am in love with this woman. Uh huh. I think, I think you're not alone. <laughs> no. Um, before we go into it, though, I must point yeah. out um, something I didn't realize because I hadn't seen this before. I'd, I'd seen part of it um, mm-hmm. at your film festival. 
but I had to duck out for work. And when I watched this first uh, night before last, I didn't realise, to be fair, she's not in it a massive amount. Um, yeah, she's she's second build, which does surprise me, I have to be honest with you. I think Helen Walker should probably be second build. Yeah, she's not a massive presence in the film but maybe, i think she maybe fourth, is fourth on the bill maybe i think might be fair might be fairer yeah she's mm. in it you know the first act is very heavy second yep. act sporadic and then pops mm-hmm. right up at the end but i would yeah. say still as an example of joan blondell's range mm. this was why i picked this film fair dude mm-hmm. uh, well yeah I, here, look i can't blame you i mean as you say that that opening act when she is most prominent mm. i mean she's she's spectacular she's and, spellbinding uh, it, Oh, my my word. And, you know, the um, anyway, we'll come on to that. Yes, um, yes, yes. Let, Don't, uh, can I just quickly, can I just quickly say... Please, please. I absolutely believe she should have got at least the Best Supporting Actress nomination for this movie, and mm. she should have won it. I think she's, uh, you know, for, for, the, for the films that have given Best Supporting Players mm-hmm. Oscars, yeah. um, and for all of the wonderful work she did before this, I find it shocking that she didn't get nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress for this movie, and I think she would have walked it. Well, Especially let me for, play... Yeah, I mean, we'll get to the scene in which I think she excels. Fair uh, enough. Yeah. Let me let me just play devil's advocate, mm-hmm. in that, um, bearing in mind is that, technically, there are three female leads in this, mm-hmm. and her part is the smallest mm-hmm. out of the three. So, and unless you unless you nominate all three or two of them for Best Supporting Actress? Well, I don't think screen time is, is the qualification. I think it's what you do with the screen time. But oh, she kicks she, kick, she kicks most people's ass in this film. I, uh, Ty- I, think. I think Tyrone Power is a, a knockout in this film. I think um, Joan Blondell is just brilliant. I think this is her best dramatic performance. Fair to enough. come off well, the back of a load of comedies and, and to yeah. go into something like this, yeah, I think she's brilliant. But yeah, we'll get to why. We will, we will, because we should actually tell people what we're watching if in case yes. they've forgotten. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Nightmare Alley from 1947. Mm-hmm. Uh, very timely, as you said. Um, we're coming up to Halloween, so obviously it's good to go with something a bit, bit creepy, a bit spooky. Yeah. But then also, of course, because the uh, uh, Del Toro remake is coming out in the new year. Yeah. So that, yeah. that's—I mean—it's all fortuitous timing because when we picked this, I wasn't thinking of Halloween, but seeing as how we're in October, it fits perfectly. It's like a—it's like a grand guignol. It's not—not a, not a horror. It's a noir no. officially, yeah. but um, I would say it definitely strays into horror territory. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely has—it's definitely filmed like a horror, especially mm-hmm. in the, you know the second half. Yeah, and the whole um, Del Toro remake thing—I mean, that was. No one knew when that was coming because it's been held up and held up and held up and then COVID and then everything. Sure. Um, and all of a sudden, between us announcing what our next movie was and us recording this, the trailer has dropped for Del Toro's uh, version, which stars Kate Blanchett and um, Brad everyone. Cooper. It stars everyone. Rooney Mara and Willem Dafoe. And my God, it looks good, and I can't wait yeah, to go and see it. It's got an amazing cast. It has. I do think they've um. I, I'll just quickly get this out of the way. I do. I do think they've yeah. slightly uh, overplayed the central thesis in, the, in okay. the trailer without getting too arty farty. I do. No, think, no, like, is he it, man or is he me? Like, uh, I, is well, that, okay, I, I, I read into that. that as well, and and they're saying they mm. they're going more for the source material rather than this film. Yeah, version. yeah, yeah, absolutely, and they're right to do that. And the source material is even darker, but the whole. Uh, 
I don't think you needed uh, the Barker saying, is he man or beast, that many yeah. times. You know, really. we, we, we got the point. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Just show us some visuals. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. No, is he man or beast? Uh, yeah, yeah, we had, yeah, I got heard you the first time. Is he man or beast? Okay, just show us. Is he man or beast? Oh, Jesus Christ. Is he man or beast? Okay, fucking hell. <laughs> it, was bit, it, was, <laughs> it was a bit like, okay, please. No, no, thank you very much. But yeah, I got it. It was good. It looks good. I'm very much looking forward to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's out in December, by the way. Not, um, oh, was it? Oh, I thought yeah. it was New Year. Okay, fair yeah, enough. I've just seen it's December. Although I did look at um, uh, buying the Blu-ray of, of this, mm. um, of the, the original, of this one we're talking about, and um, it's not released until September 2022, which I thought mm. was quite odd. Wow. So yeah. that's, a, so that's a very strange choice. Well, yes, yeah, um, that's just under a year away. So, okay. You'd odd. think they want to cash in on the whole... Mm. remake coming out i mean december which means it'll probably be out of cinemas by january which means it'll probably be out to own by sort of april yeah april may time so yeah. six months after that yeah. that's a bit strange they should be putting out the original now so it's people odd, can it? see it and sort of go oh my goodness unless they're doing some massive restoration <laughs> to it but then to be perfectly honest the, the the copy that i watched from your library it was it was fantastic great quality mm. yeah no it's a it's a it's a well, well preserved film. Huge flop yeah. on release, um, and you um, kind yeah. of understand why. Mm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. post war, nineteen forty seven. Um, do you want to run through the story, and then people I will, maybe I will. will I, understand? <laughs> I, I will. I, I will just say one thing there. That when I was saying that about a magnificent copy, and is but it, it's a sign of the times because, as you say, it's, it's from forty seven, and there's a scene where um, Stanley. And um, uh, Lilith, sorry, um, yeah. so Stanton, sorry, my fault. Is that they're um, the, he's on a jetty and she's in a speedboat, and, and and they're talking, but she's revving the engine, and it's like, well, you haven't learned how to do your microphones properly, there, have you? Because you can't hear what they're saying. It's it's like, yes, I will see you later. <laughs> Very realistic, though. I mean, you have really, to shout. Well, it was, it was, but it was just like if it, if that was filmed nowadays, it would just be sort of like, "Well, I'll see you later, darling." Oh yes, you will. <laughs> He's got a mic in the back of his tonsil. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was absolutely, it was absolutely brilliant. I just, yeah, I had to chuckle at that part. And to be fair, there are very few chucklesome moments in this film. Mm, the, the, if there is any humour, it comes from a very dark place. Mm. Yeah, Actually, before I go on to th- to the synopsis, um, mm. you you've said it a couple of times there. Do you do you class this as a as a, a noir? Well, I think it's definitely filmed in the noir style. I think you've definitely yeah. got your femme fatale. I mean, there is no way of defining noir officially. It's just no. a feeling you get when you watch a movie. Um, so well, we I went think... we went through this when we did Out of the Past, didn't we? Yeah, so, I mean, there's no yeah. there's no like official guide. You know, mm. it follows ten points. Therefore, it's a noir. Sure. You know, you've got lots of shadows. You've got a, mm-hmm. a character that is corrupt and gets even more corrupt. You've got your femme fatale. You've got your um, slow descent into darkness. Mm-hmm. No and voiceover. It's filmed. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. See, um, <laughs> that that to me but, always signals a noir. Well, uh, the big sleep doesn't have a voice. Well, either, yeah, whatever. <laughs> anyway, so I mean, it's filmed in a noir style. It's it's, it's yeah. labelled and categorised as noir. I would say it's it's part noir. I would say it's definitely a part noir char- character study, and I would part- say it's more than a little bit horrifying too. I think it definitely Fair enough. just 
it really is a gut-wrenching watch. I loved it. Fair <laughs> enough. Anyway, fair enough. Anyway. I, <laughs> it, it's it's not that I'm disagreeing with you at all because I, I actually yeah the the elements of it do make it very noir ish, but it's it's so heavy on the 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 horror and the as you so rightly said the descent into madness. I don't know. It's it's in the middle for me between a thriller and a and it's a noir thriller basically. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's um it's a it's a descent into hell filmed mm. like a noir film. Yeah. Very much so. Very much so. So anyway, yes, uh, as we said, Nightmare Alley from 1947. And so this is all about Stanton Carlyle, who joins a, a circus or a, what would you call it? A sideshow type. Like a traveling uh, carnival. Yeah, attractions. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Which apparently I've read on the trivia, they built over 10 acres. Wow. I mean, that's It's a bit excessive. <laughs> <laughs> You don't see that much of it when you're watching film. No, yeah. They built they built all these carnival and and attraction sites and all the rides and the, the stage shows and all of this over ten acres and it was like yeah I, I think you went a bit overboard there. It's <laughs> a very von Stroheim move. Well, anyway, yeah. yeah, go on. <laughs> yes, no, it's fine. So uh, yeah, so Stan and, and he um, he falls in with uh, with uh, Zena, who is our our Joan, shall I say. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Molly, uh, Colleen Gray, who's adorable, by the way, who you just feel... Oh, what, mate? Yes. Um, Oh, (laughs) trust me, we're going to have a lot of trouble when we come to Gush of the Week, trust me. Um, (laughs) We really are. This is going to be one of the trickiest Gushes of the Week ever. That sounds wrong, but you know what I mean. And, um, yeah, he falls in with the the, the carnies, if you will, for want of a better term. And uh, he wants to... To learn the the ways of of making more and more money, he's obviously rather corrupt as well because mm. it's not very long into the film that he's kind of backstabbing people and trying to get his own way to uh, further his life. What's the matter, Stan? Nothing. What's the boss been razzing you about? I was just asking him about that guy that does the geek business. That's always a sore point in a carnival. Why? Geek is one of our biggest draws, but a lot of performers won't work a show that carries one. I can't understand how anybody could get so low. That can happen. I want to thank you, Zena. Me? Uh-huh. What for? For being so nice to me. Helping me with my spiel and everything. Oh, I think you've got something, Stan. Honest? You like this racket, don't you? Oh, lady, I was made for it. I had all kinds of jobs before this one came along, but... None of them were anything but jobs. But this gets me. I don't like it. All of it. The crowds, the noise, the idea of keeping on the move. You see those yokels out there? It gives you sort of a superior feeling. As, as if you were in the know and they were on the outside looking in. Kind of hard to explain, but I don't like it. I like you too, Zena. What um, I like about the film is that you start with him as a blank slate. It's not mm. like you, he get any backstory. So he comes yeah. in and he falls in with Mademoiselle Zena, like you say, played by Joan Mulder, who's a like a fortune teller kind of person. She's like a like a mystic almost. She does fortune telling. She does yes. you know, mind reading this kind of thing, but she does it on a grand scale. She do it in front of a crowd. Isn't she her, wonderful? She's amazing. Yes. Um, he's her barker, isn't he? Mm. So he's the one that calls the people. Come on, round up, come and see Mademoiselle Zena. Put your names in the hat. Put your fortunes that you wish to be told in the hat he's the guy that's the front man for her Mm -hmm. and it's obvious that they're having some kind it's obvious that he's got the job 
through yeah. romancing her slightly. Sure. Yeah. Um, and well, yeah, because her I'm, husband's a drunk. <laughs> yeah, he's. Um, I mean, this is so complicated to explain, mm. isn't it? But it yeah. really does matter to the story. This is the thing. Um, yep. Her husband is Pete, and mm-hmm. uh, he he and her were a former vaudeville act who had this mind reading act, and it was hugely successful. But they had this secret code that they used. Like mm-hmm. he would call out from the crowd, "Mademoiselle," while she was blindfolded, "Mademoiselle Zena, what am I holding in my hand?" And the way he inflected the sentence across mm-hmm. the room would tell her what mm-hmm. he was holding. Like, it's a gold watch. And everyone would go, oh, my goodness yeah. me. And they had this secret code. But then she had an affair, mm-hmm. um, which broke his heart. And he turned to alcohol. But she came back to him. But by then, he was this wreck. He was and too far now, gone, yeah. He's so far gone. He's like, you know, hit the bottom of the barrel. And uh, then, uh, you know, Stan, Stanton has arrived. Yeah. Um, there the, with this horrible traveling carnival, it's like the bottom of the barrel crap. Well, we're not we're not quite freaks level. No, 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 no. But it's um, it does have a geek, which I it really need to, I need to talk to you about the whole okay. geek thing. Um, Good, which uh, is uh, you know a bit of a scandal when it comes to traveling carnivals. Anyway, yeah. so there is this rundown carnival, and Stanton is now her barker, and he's come in, and he's sort of weaseled his way into her. She's sort of strayed away from Pete again to have an affair with Stanton, even though she feels horrible about it, because, you know, the way she did it before has turned Pete into this drunken monster. Yeah. Now Stanton is sort of wormed his way into the act. He finds out about this code that they used to use, yeah. and realises that if he can get the secret of this code... He yep. has, which is worth a ton of money, and people have been chasing her for years to give her money for it. You know, tell us the secret mm. of this code you used. Oh to yeah, use. then um, yeah. Well, well it becomes all-consuming, doesn't it? He needs mm. to know this. Yeah, yeah, he can't let it go. Uh, yeah. but, but that makes it that makes it all the more powerful. But I I love what you said there about the start there, and, and when you said it was complicated, which is yeah, you have Pete, you have the drunk, and. You could you could throw that away as insignificant. You know, oh, he's just a drunk. That's why yeah. she doesn't really care for him anymore. Maybe she's just gone back to look after him or whatever. But it's not until the end of the film that you realise what the hell happened with Pete. Yeah, because it's ha- because it's happening all over again. Oh my god, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's um. Th- so Pete is is this, <laughs> but. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't even. I can't even like. Just like, is there like a labyrinthine plot? It's so incredible. You, mm. you, I mean, if anyone is thinking this sounds kind of interesting, you need to see it to understand what yes. we're talking about. But basically, um, what happens is Stanton has romanced his way into Zena's mm-hmm. heart again, which makes her feel terrible because she's been yeah. she's gone back to Pete. So she's completely torn. We're trying to help Pete back on his feet and yet losing her heart to this charming young scoundrel. Yeah. Um he finds out about this act that she used to have, this mind reading act that's worth a ton of money, and romances the secret mm. of how it works from her. Yeah. So she's now given up everything. I mean that's I mean <laughs> That's that's a very sort of simple explanation. <laughs> simple. I, I it's only, think ta- I, it's only taken us twenty minutes to get there. But no, no, I mean, no. This but is the I, first I, fifteen minutes. I, I, I think that's a good way to go, though. I think if we keep it simple, so we mm. don't properly spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it, because I hadn't seen it until this mm. week, and uh, I, if I knew too much more 
than that, then I, I possibly would have been disappointed. So I think we keep it vague. I think that's probably a good way to go. Okay, well, look, this is a 111-minute film. I think we've pro- described it at the moment probably the first 15 minutes. I think it's yes. dangerous to, to go too much further. All I will mm. say is that um, a tragic accident occurs by yep. mistake. It's a complete mm. accident that happens that... Um, sends Stan on a completely different route in life. He takes the secret of this mind-reading act and builds Mm -hmm. a hugely successful career for himself, Yeah, leaving everyone he knew before behind, apart from Mm -hmm. Colleen Gray, obviously, takes her with him. But then the the whole film then becomes this incredibly absorbing tale of a man who starts from nothing, rises up to unimaginable heights, and then falls to the lowest depths I've ever seen a human fall. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. kind of all you need to know about Nightmare well, Alley, without spoiling it. If you've never seen this film and you are going to watch it, then the very, very last line of the film mm-hmm. is basically sums up what the whole film is about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 won't, I won't say it here, just in case so there's no spoilers, but that last line, it was, it was a gut punch. It was just all like, yeah, he's right. That bloke is right. That is exactly what the entire film is all about, and it's I, that's stupendously done. This is this is a, an incredible way. That I've, I'm I'm so sorry to skip right to the end, but no, the no, last no. ten minutes of this film mm. are. I remember the first time I saw it, and, and I watched this thing, and I you know saw it's, it's a rags to riches tale. <laughs> that's interesting. Mm. And then all of a sudden, you see him fall and fall and fall and fall and fall and fall, mm. and you go, there can't be any lower to go. And then he smashes yeah. through the floor and goes down another seven miles yeah. and you go oh my god i can't believe what i'm seeing here yeah um and i remember the first time i saw it i was sat down in front of my tv and i found myself stood up oh <laughs> i didn't even remember standing up my whole body was like like a it was like so tense i couldn't believe mm. what i was seeing and um then it ended and i was like holy crap <laughs> it was such it was like someone had just taken me by the throat and shaken me it was mm. it was a real visceral experience yeah I, I i don't know if you have a problem with this it's something i've had a real problem with uh, ever since i started watching films is that i have a real problem just emotionally so not a problem with films but just emotionally so i have a real problem with watching people sink of watching mm. them Go fail low. Yeah. yeah, it's I I find it really uncomfortable sometimes mm-hmm. to watch. Say something like, like say, I mean, I'm pulling from my sphere, but uh, say something like Bad Lieutenant or mm. Irreversible. Uh, Irre. Well, mm, that's that's a tricky one. That, but I see where you're coming from. Like say, Living Las Vegas or mm. I- ID or just something. But you you, you know, someone ID who has is it- a good ID is a good comparison actually. Very good it's- comparison. Yeah. You know, it, it's someone who kind of has it all and mm. then just throws it all away for just pathetic reasons. Yeah. And I, I do find those types of films very hard to watch. However, mm-hmm. where Nightmare Alley is concerned, I had very little sympathy for Stan, to mm. be perfectly honest. Yeah. Who because, <laughs> well, because he he just used everyone, didn't he? He mm. used his wife, he used Joan Blondell, the and uh, he's not allowed to do that, not in my book. And but yeah, but he just used everyone, and it was all for his own pure selfish reasons. Mm-hmm. However, I mean, we we've got to give credit to um to to the rest of the cast. I mean, personally, uh, the standout for for me was Helen Walker. 
I thought I thought she was she's amazing, spectacular. So she's, yeah, sorry, go on. No, go on. No, oh, no, uh, okay, sorry. I was just going to say. So Stanton does. Um, he he comes in contact with a, a psychotherapist and uh, and manages to what you think or may not think is that goes into cahoots with her to trick rich mm-hmm. people to give him money. Mm-hmm. And that's where the the whole sort of second half of the film begins is her, his relationship with her. Mm. And looking at the um, the remake and seeing that she's played by Kate Blanchett in Perfect. the uh, in the remake, I was just going to say, mate, isn't sublime. that the best casting? Isn't that, isn't that the, the best casting ever? Mm-hmm. I can just you imagine know? the moment yes. as well when she yeah. flips, and yes. I can just see her face. It's absolute genius casting, though. It really, really is, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, all all they messed up on was that for um, for Joan Bolandell's character, they should have had Amy Adams, but that's just my own personal opinion. But <laughs> I think Rooney so, Mara is a very good pick for yeah. Molly. Yeah. She's, you know, she's cute and she's kind of, like, you know, uh, a little yes. bit, I don't know, she looks very, <laughs> she looks very, you know, mm. what's the word? Like, she wouldn't hurt a, a, a fly, you know, she has that kind of air about her. You know. And that's my Amy. Stop it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just can't let it go. Um, but yeah, I, uh, so I mean, th- this this is great though. So what you do have, I mean, as you say, it's an hour and forty minutes long, mm. and so you have you have this wonderful Bilma, Bilm, <laughs> you you have this wonderful build up <laughs> of him worming his way into the carny scene, and then working his way up through that, and then working his way through the sort of the middle class up towards the upper class of society. Mm. And then you realize that it's a roller coaster, isn't it? So mm. he's hit, he's hit that peak. And where, where do you go from there? Mm. Yeah. It's, it's just going to come crashing down, isn't it? But, but so, for way further down than you could have realized. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be perfectly honest, there, there, there's a scene towards the end when he isn't sure and also for a brief moment in time, I wasn't sure whether he was going mad or mm. if what he th- thought was happening was real, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, And that was brilliant because I was sat there going, right, hang on, have I got this wrong? I was questioning my own sanity. Mm-hmm. And it was all like, but no, I'm not mad. I'm just, no. It, ah, and I was just like, oh, that's a perfect bit of filmmaking. Mm. That is beautiful. It's a genius film. It's um, yes. obviously the book it was based on is, I mean, it's incredibly well written. I read it a few years ago and was just bowled over by its darkness. If you like a dark, dark story of <laughs> the way humans can go, which is what really impresses me about this film, actually. 1947, mm-hmm. you don't expect films to be this bleak, this um, <laughs> this raw... You don't expect them to plumb the abyss quite this hard. And I think yeah. this it's quite admirable, really. Especially for a star like Tyrone Powell. Uh, Tyrone Power and Joan Blondell. I can imagine the book isn't an easy read. It's not an easy read, no. And um, it's, there's not an easy story behind it, either. But, um, the, I mean, Tyrone Power was a huge, huge size. It's, not, you know, it's like putting... I don't know, it's like putting Ryan Reynolds in a, you know, in, in, a, in a film like this... Yeah. I can see why Bradley Cooper's done it because it's mm. a real challenge, but it also strips away that pretty well, boy veneer that you might have built up quite by accident if you were an well, actor. And, and, and you and kind he just, of want to. He just might be a bit tired of playing a f-ing raccoon. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I think Bradley Cooper's quite interesting, really. I think he was on a path, like wasn't he? And, and then he kind of sort of said to himself, 
no, actually, I want to reinvent myself. And he did Star yeah. is Born, which I think is a great film. Yeah. But I think I think as for as for his appearance in this, I think that's, that's a really wise choice because Tyrone Power obviously thought to himself, you know, I don't just want to do rom-coms. I've, I've got more range than this. And I, I so was he reading did... up on him and he sounded mm. like a quite a headstrong guy who mm. kind of fell into fell into, as you say, rom-coms and swashbuckling yeah. He did things. like Daytime Wife, you know, which is a yeah. very light, fluffy, very sexist rom-com. And he did the mm. Zorro, which was, you know, sort of marked him out as this new Errol Flynn type. And, mm. But he was huge, huge star, like biggest draw in the world for a few years. And mm. then he does like a film like this, like Nightmare Alley, and just shows that he, he was a completely unafraid actor. I mean, the last 10 minutes of this film would just blow your mind at how how much he was willing to put himself out there in order to, mm. to reinvent himself as a, as a serious prospect. It, yeah, he, I, I agree. And and I was looking at my at my little list, and um, mm. this is actually the first thing I've seen Tyrone Power in. And um, mm. and uh, and now maybe that's actually going to steal me quite well because obviously I've seen him as a complete bastard, <laughs> And everything else I'm going to see him in, he's, he's Mr. Happy-Go-Lucky by the sounds of things. So I, I might, I I might there- see... Well, no, so it depends. Well. <laughs> uh, we need to watch. Um, I would love to show you "Witness for the Prosecution" uh, okay. at some point, which is um, an Agatha Christie adaptation, which is fabulous as well. I mean, it, I think it's it was after this. I think it was like fifty-one or something. Uh, fifty-seven. Fifty-seven. Okay, cool. As uh, Charles Lawton and Tyrone Bloody Power, it's, it's a it's really, got an eight point four. Oh, wow. oh, it's it's brilliant. <gasps> if you don't if, if you don't know the um if you don't know the uh, uh the twist, then I would urge you to to not look it up because it's i do not it's really really fantastic but yeah nominated um, for nominated for six oscars and mm-hmm. is ranked number 64 in the imdb top 250 well deservedly so it's a really good film but i mean right. that, that i mean that's a very late film for him and you know he was a real heartthrob which i really mm. admire about him you know he took a took a chance and did this bleak 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 Deep dive into the abyss with this, and I think he should have got a bloody Oscar for that. I think everyone should have got an Oscar for this. <laughs> you do, don't you? I, do, I, do. Really do. Um, <laughs> I know you might find this hard because obviously you've seen him in various other things, but mm. where, with the first time I saw him on screen, especially when he white, wears the just the plain white t shirt, yeah, when he's trying to convince the uh, the the sheriff of you know what what is happening and what isn't. Yeah. Um, I, all all I could see was Anthony Perkins in Psycho. Oh really? Well, you you, you remember when Andy Perkins is just wearing the same white t-shirt, the slick back, black hair, and I just and that sort of baby face thing going on, chiseled jaw. It was just like hell. That's Anthony Perkins, but yeah, mm. obviously. But as I said, it was my first time seeing Tyrone Power. So interesting. That's interesting. just where I came from. Yeah, and mm. and I couldn't unsee it until the end of the film when obviously things go awry, and it's like, mm. oh yeah, no, he's a very very different actor. <clears throat> Excuse me, Marshall. Huh? Now, look, young fella, I don't want any more of your soft soap. Pardon me, sir, but there seem to be several bills coming out of your pocket. Another minute and you'd have lost your money, Marshal. And I see that you've brought your wife a present of a lovely silk handkerchief. That's very nice. I'm sure she's going to like that very much. And a pure white one for your daughter. How do you know I got a daughter? I know. Many things, Marshal. I don't know how I know them, but there's nothing supernatural about it, I'm sure. You see... My family was Scotch. And the Scotch are often gifted with powers that the old folks used to call second sight. You don't say. For instance, I can see that you have carried a pocket piece or curio of some kind for nearly 20 years. 
Several times you lost that luck piece, but you found it again every time. It means a great deal to you. You don't know exactly why. I would say that you should always carry that. I always do. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, very talented. Um, yeah. Brilliant. Very talented. Yeah. Great performance. Yeah. Something that did strike me about this, and we have kind of briefly mentioned it there as well, is that. Mm. There and we've mentioned it before, and it's so easy to say sometimes, but with this one, it is very easy to say is that the supporting cast in this is it's perfect. Phenomenal. Every 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 single actor, every single character is just mm-hmm. on the nose, and I was racking my brains for ages where I'd seen Bruno before, Mike Mazurki. Yeah, yeah. he's great. And <laughs> it, 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 I, I finally got it. I mean, I, I, it must have been about an hour, and I'm there going, I know him, I know him, I know him. Where the hell do I know him from? And of course, he's in Some Like It Hot. And so. Ah, okay. That's not the uh, that's not the film I would have picked for him, but yeah, go on. Oh, that's well, a, you, we, one. You, you have to remember that that's my dad's favorite film of all time, so I've seen it a lot. Ah, so, okay. Yeah, he was yeah. in a he was in a Dick Tracy film, uh, but most, most famous for a film called Murder My Sweet, which is like a. Um, uh, you remember, you know, Dick Powell from Dick Powell from Footlight Parade. He played the, sure. the boy, the boy, you know, soprano. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he, he, as well was another actor who said to himself, he was actually married to Jim Blondell, believe it or not. Um, and he said to, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I thought you were going to say that. I thought, oh, oh, it was coming. <laughs> yeah, um, he wasn't the greatest husband, uh, but anyway. Um, um, well, then he's even more of a. He tried to reinvent his his career as well, very much like Tyrone Power, and and starred as Philip Marlowe in, a, in, a, in an adaptation of Raymond Chandler's Murder My Sweet, in which right. Mike Mazurki played Moose Malloy, who is this great big hulking guy who kicks okay. off the story, and um, okay. yeah, he was kind of it kicked off his movie career as well. My apologies, Karen. No, no, it's fine, it's fine. But no, as I said, it's just it's just this entire cast, mate. It's it's just wonderful, mm. and. Yep. As I said at the start, so you have the three female leads, which correct me if correct me if I'm wrong. That's that's got to be rare to for, to have say four out of the five main players to be all females. It's it's quite rare, isn't it? Yeah, and brave too. Mm. I mean, you know, they don't they don't say right. There needs to be a romantic lead in this, or you need to no. end up with X Y Z because yeah. you don't get the feeling. At, oh, I don't. I can't spoil it, but you know, yeah. you, everyone gets their. Let's just say every girl gets their equal screen time and uses it yeah. immaculately yeah but but they also have all three of them have such vastly different personalities as well oh my god you're right <laughs> you know well you know there's the kind of the let's say the hopeless romantic or mm-hmm. the more submissive if you will and then you have certainly the more dominant and um and then you have the sort of the happy-go-lucky one as well and so yeah that's that's a great mix i mean Forgive me for being misogynist, but you put all three of them together, you kind of have the perfect woman. So, you know, sorry. Well, I'm neither agreeing or disagreeing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I assume what, While like, the happy go lucky. your head. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. Um, I assume by the happy go lucky you mean Molly, played by Colleen Gray, who I yes. have to say, I fell in love with her so hard when I saw this film for the first time. Oh my god, who is this woman? She is absolutely beautiful. But um as well, her her character is more interesting than people seem to remember. I mean, everyone remembers Joan Blondell because mm. of this absolute tangle she's in emotionally at the beginning of the film. Everyone remembers Helen Walker in this film as Lilith because yeah. she is just the I don't even want to spoil it for people, but no. her character arc will 
have you like grinding your teeth and <laughs> pounding your fists. But Colleen Gray, I think, as the you yeah. know, she's remembered as you know the pretty acrobat girl in the film mm-hmm. a lot. When in reality, she is as <laughs> it's really tough to watch because she yeah. starts off so fresh faced and happy and in love and hopeful, and by yeah. the end of the film, she's absolutely learned about life through this oh, yeah. guy and 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 it's just been the worst set of lessons that anyone could possibly get i know poor girl but, and she looks so young and fresh faced and yeah. she doesn't she doesn't deserve this to, to land on top of her i'm going to find a new swear word for horrible <laughs> men but that's that's the best one i've got at the he moment just deserves it so much but the, it really then, does you know in the final at uh, the final curtain it's mm. molly it's colleen gray who sort of gets the chance to offer an olive branch and mm. a glimpse of redemption yeah. for this character and I absolutely love that she got that. We'll, we'll come back to that in just a little while. Let's uh, go back to Helen Walker for just a second. <laughs> okay. Towards the end of the film, um, I won't say what happens. Actually, no, I'll, I'll change the way I structure that. You, you've seen you've seen the film uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you reckon Louise Fletcher, who plays Nurse Ratchet, watched this film and based part of her performance on Helen Walker. Hello. Hello. I suppose you must think this rather odd. Why? Me writing you that note. I get a laundry basket full of them every day. Won't you sit down? What did you want to see me about? My friends and I were very much impressed with your performance the other evening. But that isn't why you asked me to drop in. No, it isn't. How did you happen to know so much about me? I read your mind. You mean to claim you can actually do that? How else would I know that your mother was dead? I'd never seen you before. You didn't make a reservation. The maitre d' didn't know who you were. That's true. That fellow you were with, the maitre d' says he's a pretty big guy in this town. That uh, Ezra Grindle. You gonna marry him? I? I got a feeling there was something between you. He's a patient of mine. Now, in regard to this feeling you have, psychologists admit the validity of mental telepathy Uh under certain... Uh Uh-huh. I thought this looked like one of those joints. You ever been psychoanalyzed? I saw one in a murder movie once, but a good mentalist could have straightened the whole thing out in five minutes. I'm sure you could have. I think that is an entirely plausible theory. Mm-hmm. Um, the scene where she reveals herself, should we say, yeah, and um, uh, tells him what's about to happen is electrifying. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? It's yes. Abs- you watch her and you go, "How is this person so?" Let me Evil. <laughs> put it, let me let me put it this way: when it started, what you are describing, yeah. I started breathing out, mm. and I didn't breathe in until it was over. It's... It was I was just there going, <laughs> <laughs> and it was, I was making noises. Thank fuck I was in the house by myself because that would have sounded wrong. But it was just I was I was just I couldn't I was gobsmacked I was literally gobsmacked mm. and um, well not literally because that means I get but you know what I mean figuratively gobsmacked <laughs> but no I, I was just watching it and just going but I, all I could see 
was Nurse Ratchet over Jack Nicholson. And I was just sort of like, this, it's got to be. It's got to be where she's got it from. She's incredible in this film. Yes. There are no words to describe her. No. Helen, she, she, oh my God. As well, what a talent! I mean, yeah. as well as being one of the most remarkably beautiful women you've ever seen in your life, mm. she had the saddest real life story. She oh, was, I know, I read about it. Oh, terrible! I mean, I'm, you know, there's no point going into it because it will take away from you know. We don't want people to feel tragic about it. We want to feel no. like proud that she was in this thing. So, yeah, she's incredible in this film. So good, the way she turns on a dime and just absolutely owns it. She's you know, amazing. Th- this film is the epitome of that phrase of turning on a dime because mm-hmm. it happens in the click of a finger. Mm-hmm. It, it's just, it's that, it's gone, it's boom. It's, it's, you were one thing and you're now another in <laughs> half a second. Spirals, doesn't it? It's oh crazy. God, <laughs> it's so good. It's, it's so, so good. good. <laughs> yeah, it blew me away. It absolutely blew me away. Mm. So, we're, I mean, all we've done so far is talk about the positives. Do Do you have any negatives about the film? I think if someone's going in cold, I can see there being maybe pacing issues in the first 20 minutes because I think hmm. with a title like Nightmare Alley, you might think to yourself, I'm expecting a nightmare. And it takes yeah. a while for it to arrive. But I do think that those who are a fan of narrative storytelling will appreciate the fact that it was a slow burn to begin with. I don't have a problem at all with this film at all. I I watched it the first time and I was blown away by it. I watched it a year later and was not just blown away, but chilled and horrified by it. Mm. I can't think of any downsides to this film. I would say that, you know, if someone just didn't know anything about it and was expecting one thing and and pressed play and and Mm. sort of saw a a drama set in a carnival, they might sort of go, oh, I'm not really bothered about this thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but they would be doing themselves a massive disservice because the, this film has this film has more layers than an onion. It's it's, <laughs> it's, it's a genius film, <laughs> and and what I admire about it so much, you know, you asked me for negatives, but I can't give any. Sure, okay. So positives. Nineteen forty-seven. I mean, we're coming out of the war. Um, yep. People are thirsty for positivity. They want mm-hmm. to rebuild, and then you mm-hmm. have Nightmare Alley. Mm-hmm. Which is just you know a deconstruction of the American dream. It's it shows <laughs> the, the way that corruption can enrich a person. <laughs> um, it also shows that if you put a foot wrong, it can take you down like to Chinatown, like, yeah. <laughs> like you wouldn't believe. Wow. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's such a brave film. I can't mm-hmm. fault it. If this it's been made for the first time in the eighties, I think it would have been totally disposable. But I think the fact that it was made just after the war in the forties with the you know, Tyrone Power, mm-hmm. Joan Blondell, Colleen Gray, Helen Morgan. I mean, you know, <laughs> all these stars at the height of their powers, and they went, yeah, I'll all do right, that. All right, thing. Adam, put your pants back on. <laughs> Shan't. <laughs> I, I, I love it. I think it's I think it's a perfect film. I think it's um so brave, so modern yeah. feeling. You can totally understand why Del Toro is make, remaking it. It's a good choice, actually, for director. Yeah, mm, I'll have to. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah. There's an interesting point you just brought up there, though, which I hadn't really considered, is that if you did go into this completely blind and with a title like Nightmare Rally, mm. I mean that does sound like a schlocky '80s horror movie, doesn't it? Sounds it, like really? yeah, it sounds like an amicus. It sounds like a Harry Towers film. Yeah, yeah that's a good does. shout. Yeah. Mm. But um, mm. but yeah, it it does. It sounds it's it's not 
possibly the best title until you watch it. Yeah. And and then when you get to the end, Nightmare Alley, it does make a lot of sense. Yeah. In a, in a forgive me, but in, in a sort of philosophical way, it makes a lot of sense. Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah. Okay, yeah. Brilliant. Mm. I do, however, have one problem with it. Go on. Uh, it's the ending. Okay. So, again, without spoiling, the very end of the film should have ended about two minutes earlier. I agree. Before, I before agree. We... Okay, mm. go on. No, 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 no. Continue. I would just well, like to quickly put it out there that I do agree with you on that point. And, it, and may I just quickly add, that yes. that's the way it ends in the book. The way you've just really? described. Yes, it ends exactly the way you've said. If it ended two minutes before the last bit, mm-hmm. that's the ending of the book. Well, there you go. Mm. So then, redem- uh, not redemption, uh, the um, proper way of a villain to be foiled has happened. Mm. He's uh, met his comeuppance. Mm-hmm. He's fallen perfect. as low as he can go. Yes, that's it. He's hit rock bottom. Yep. That's it. That's perfect. Mm. And yet, the the ending felt like a test audience. It was like it was it was tacked on. This and that, this, that to me was a little disappointing. And we're still in the days of the production code. There's no way this could have been made unless that had happened. You know, it couldn't oh, of have, course, of course, it, it couldn't have been. It couldn't have been made. And I and I think for that reason, it is worth the two minutes of. Oh, okay, maybe he'll get another chance now. You know, because of this, um, I okay. think it's worth um, because they certainly portray the horror. Let's be honest. Oh, <laughs> absolutely! Film. Don't they? Just um, but just because they put on a little mo- note to say he might be saved, actually, um, mm. I don't think that spoils the ride. Should we say? I think you know we've had our thrills by then. Yeah, or, mm. uh, I d- I don't know. I just uh, there was just something about it that I I was I was just riding this crest of a wave. And, like, say something like, let's compare it to something. Let's compare it to Out of the Past, okay? Mm-hmm. And where where that ending, which I had a problem with, I still... It, it still worked, and it, and I still gave that film a 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Um, because, dear God, that film, I love it so much. But um, <laughs> but this, but this, it was just sort of like... It was just sort of like, you've sh- I, I know it's still during the code, I get it, but oh, it felt like they shot themselves in the foot. And it was just sort of like, oh, that's a pity. I don't, and after I, and after such a good ride, and and actually, I'll address something. Sorry, I'll just say this. Uh, I'll address something you just pointed out. Is that I'd seen a review online of this. It was a spoiler-free review, so I had no idea what was coming. And it was they were they were saying what a great film it was, apart from the sort of the opening ten minutes. And I was just sort of like, were you watching a different film than I was? Because I loved <laughs> the opening ten minutes. Well, it was perfect. It set everything up it set everyone up it gave you their personalities what they were doing why they were there what they were wanting for their futures and all of this it all it is all there in that opening 10 minutes and so then what is a brilliant piece of direction and storytelling and script writing is you've then got an hour and a half to go mental and that's what they did mm. and it was just like that's how you that's how you make a f- film and it was just mm. yes yes love it you have, I think, I think with um, films from this period, you have to accept that there, you know, these tales of darkness are never going to end in darkness because of the circumstances and sure. uh, and the period in which they were made. So I think if you're if you're enjoying a film 
and you oh. and you're enjoying the fact that it's bleak yeah. and that you like oh my god I can't believe the dark places it's going to you yeah. kind of have to give the fact that they tack on these 10 second moments of light at the end you kind of have to give those a buy because the problem is they weren't allowed to make them unless no. they did that so no, it's not no. really their fault I, I don't think you can really fault the filmmakers because my god the direction in this film is incredible the performances are yeah. incredible the, the scripting is incredible just because you know you know will hayes stamps his mm-hmm. foot and says we're not going to be able to put this in cinemas unless you put this thing at the end is it worth discounting a point just you know from all of the good work that's been done because because of will hayes and and Joseph Breen and the production code office. I think it's terribly unfair if you do that because you have to accept that they couldn't have made this otherwise. It's can like we, it's, can we put this? Can we put this on record? That, um, you know, we we are a golden age cinema podcast, and so can we just put it on record that Will Hayes was a shit? Yes, we can. <laughs> I think it's terribly unfair, though, don't you think, to just say, well, it would have been great if the production code hadn't existed because the, you can't really get around that. Like, I know, I know. It's, it's, it's just it's a, a real of the times, isn't it? It really it, is. It is, it is. Okay, fair enough. So, rating-wise, what would you give uh, Nightmare Alley? <laughs> oh, my God, it's a 10. It's, there's no way this can, film cannot be a 10. I mean, if you... Mm. If, if, you should go away and read the book. It's fantastic, okay. right? And you won't believe how much of the darkness is in the film. Mm-hmm. They've done such a great job. You, they peopled it with the the actors that fit the roles. Like you wouldn't believe. Helen Walker is just incandescent. Joan Blondell plays that part so heartbreakingly well. She's so Don't torn. You. Tyrone Power just <laughs> completely devastates the golden boy image he'd spent ten years building. Um, yeah. For the sake of for the sake of telling this story, Colin Gray's fantastic. Mike Mazurki's fantastic. Edmund Goldinger directs things fantastic. There's not a foot wrong in this thing. And as I say, I totally agree with you about the last moments in the film. They do kind of offer a redemption which didn't need to be there. It would have been better if Stan had the final shot I can see it in my mind he's laying there screaming as they're grabbing him and the camera just zooms in on his crazed eyes and it cuts to black that would have been Mm. phenomenal ending Mm -hmm. but they just couldn't do it because they just wouldn't have been allowed to be made I'd rather have the film we have than not have it at all so my my rating is a 10 for this because I think as a as a gut punch to golden age cinema, there's nothing like it. Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> I, I know I know it's not a film you like particularly, but what you just said kind of smacks true of uh, Freaks as well. When yeah. Hans Hans and Frieda reunite at the end of Freaks, and you know all is forgiven, even though he's been a complete shit. It's sort of like, well, hang on, he doesn't deserve that redemption. And it was the same at, at, at this as well, technically. It was just all like, well, no, there, there's no need to do that. But as you say, the code is there. Mm. For, for better or worse, we have to deal with it. The code was there. I think, um, I think for, 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 uh, let me just quickly jump in quickly. I think, for, uh, I think for these films, if you're going to knock a point off because of what the code was doing to the films, then I think you need to stop watching and skip the skip the happy endings and just completely discount those from from your rating or what you would rate the film as. Well, it's very interesting you say that because I was watching this film and uh, as I said, I watched it twice this week and was I've, I've loved it every single time, but that that ending just jarred with me and so I gave it a ten and it was a ten out of ten film. It's perfect. It's absolutely beautiful. Love it. 
And then I saw that ending and it was just like, nah, I can't do it. I'm giving it a nine. But after listening to, listening to what you just said, I'm open-minded enough to know this. I'm not steadfast. And so I can, I'm open-minded enough to know that I can be educated as well. And that's what this show is about. And so I'm going to have to agree with you and just say, this is, this is sublime. This is a 10. Hey! what a magnificent piece of work this is oh my god isn't it brilliant it's i i love it and that's why that's why i mean i gave away a little bit of a spoiler earlier but that's why i was looking for the blu-ray because it was just like oh my god this is really 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 good this is one of those films you want to sleep with under your pillow isn't it isn't it just mate? bloody fantastic yeah absolutely it's genius all-time classic if if you haven't out there, if you haven't seen uh, Nightmare Alley, then and you like your your noir, your thriller, your horror, whatever, um, mm. just jump right in. It's it's magnificent. There's I I wanted to touch on the whole geek thing because it's incredibly mm. crucial to the plot. Yeah, let's I, do. That. Um, I didn't want to. I'm so glad, by the way, you've marked this at ten. Yes. Um, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I would have been absolutely distraught if, you, if it had been <laughs> marked down because of that ending. I would have been like, God. No, I, 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 I couldn't do it. I, 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 here, mate, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I, I, I will be honest. I, I was going to tell you a nine until you explained it the way you did, and I was just like, you know what? He's right. So, yeah. Do you know what? It's like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to argue your opinion down or anything. But no, if, no, no, if no. you, if, if it's like if you went outside and you crafted a perfect snowball. Like this, and you said, "Oh my God, this, the, I've measured the dimensions of this thing, and it's three hundred and sixty degrees on every single side." And you put it on a pedestal like that, and someone came along and weed on it and said, "Yes, what do you think of it, guys?" Like this, it's what? like what? it's like. Hang on a minute, it was perfect, but because Why this guy's going back to you read again, <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying, isn't it? Wouldn't it be a tragedy? For a it perfect would. thing to be marked down because of something someone else insisted upon. You're right. You're right, mate. Uh, that's cool. But I'm so glad. And I'm. I, yeah. what, a, a, there's been two 20 out of 20 films we've done so far. Uh, yes. They've yes, both been. This... They've both been noirs. So that's yeah. This and out, out of the past. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. I'm. I'm absolutely delighted that you love Nightmare I do have to quickly touch on the whole geek thing because I think if someone's going to go in a way now and they're all you know frothing at the mouth to watch this film, um. I would say I'm not going to like give anything away, but um, there was a phenomenon in the early part of the 20th century that was known as the Geek Show, um, yep. which basically involved. It's, it's incredibly important to the plot, and we haven't what we haven't really talked about it. It's explained really well in the book, but not massively well in the film. You kind of get what's happening, but unless you know, it won't have it won't. You know, it won't land as well. Mm-hmm. But um, in sort of sideshow carnivals and stuff, they used to hire drug addicts, basically, mm-hmm. or recovering alcoholics who were desperate for a fix or a drink. And they would say, yes, we'll give you money for a fix so that you can shoot up and mm-hmm. be on about your way if mm-hmm. you perform as the geek and they call these things the geek shows. And they mm-hmm. would basically throw these guys naked into a ring. And while baying punters would gather around and scream and shout at them, they would be mm-hmm. off their heads because they would be, you know, cold turkey. And mm-hmm. they would make them do horrifically degrading things uh, to yep. themselves and to animals. And it's uh, it's awful to talk about, but but it's incredibly crucial to the plot because... The f- <laughs> well, and when you watch the opening ten minutes of the film, uh, a geek is uh, paraded round. Let's yeah. let's say, um, and it's not until you reach 
the sort of last act of the film that you realise how low people can fall. But um, I think when people, well, uh, definitely the first time I watched this film, I was like, well, if, if it's just, you know, an act, then it's a, I don't understand what's so bad. But when I looked into it um, afterwards, the whole geek thing is really horrible. And Joan Blondell actually comments on it at one point, you know, Tyrone Powers' character says to her, what's so bad about having a geek? And she says, most carny folk won't act in a, in a, mm. in a show that has a geek because they yeah. don't agree with exploiting humanity like this. Sure. Um, anyway, that's all you need to know going in. No, no, say. it's fine. It's, it's very fine. important to note. I mean, being the, um, well, sorry, not, I was about to say self-appointed, but I wasn't appointed the title. Being the appointed bad boy of Golden Age Cinema. Uh, thank you, Zach. <laughs> thank you, Zach. I, w- I would like to point out that um, from a film from about 10 years ago that was set, I'm not going to say the film or the director, but uh, that was set in uh, New Jersey. They, uh, on the boardwalk there, they had a thing called Shoot Shoot the Geek. And it's someone dressed up in full hockey regalia and people pay money to shoot paintballs at their crotch. So nice. bearing in mind, this is 10 years ago. So it technically still exists. Yes. Yeah, it's um, it's unfortunate. <laughs> it's it's f-ing mental, isn't it? It's, you know, it's not just... nice at all. <laughs> no, of course. <laughs> no, it is the epitome of not being nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's horrible. Yeah. So um, yeah, I... they 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 pay someone you know minimum wage to go in a hockey outfit to get paintball shot at their penis. So it's, you know. it's let's take someone who's you know um as low as they Hard can up. go, yeah. and let's have some fun with them. It's uh, the mm-hmm. epitome of. You know, frat boy bullying kind of thing. It's horrible. That's precisely it. Yeah, mm, it yeah. is a frat boy thing, isn't it? It is bullying. It, it is terrible. Mm. Thankfully, you know, in you know proper free thinking worlds, that doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. So, sort of, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But there we go. <laughs> but no, no, I, I I get where you're coming from, and I I understand why you wanted to clarify that because I mean, bearing in mind, rewind what? So this is forty-seven. What years was? What year was Freaks? Thirty-two. 32, so that's 15 years. So mm. look how far they've come in 15 years. It's uh, it's worth saying that, you know, freaks are a totally different thing. It's, it's like people who were born that way were trying to make yeah. money. But um, geeks are... This is where freaks and geeks come from. It's very strange. I know. Um, but geeks are basically people who are recovering from substance abuse. Who, I know. Who, who are, you know, close to death and are trying yeah. to make an extra dollar so that they can get one more fix before they perish in the snow, basically. Yeah. Offer to do degrading things to themselves while people scream and shout or, you know, yowl at them. Um, mm. Just for the... Yeah, it's, it's awful. It's, it's, like, it's like exploitation times ten. It's the worst it is. thing you can imagine. It, all, I, all, all I'm saying is is there is is a parallel between yes, the freaks yes, and this. Absolutely, yeah. That's, it's all exploitation. It's horrible. Of course, yeah. Yeah. That's that's the proper word for it, isn't it? Or exploitation, um, and yeah, and and yeah. Yet let's not forget the most important part of that bit is it's horrible. <laughs> it's it's vile. Though in the first yes. ten minutes, you don't even see the geek. It's just no. described to you, but yeah. you still it still turns your stomach. And then Joan Blondell gives like a you know a couple of minutes about you know he used mm. to be a magician. You know, believe yeah. it or not, he used to be successful. Yeah. But I would say if you're going to watch this film, it's mm. absolutely crucial that you mm-hmm. pay attention to that first 10 minutes. Yes. Because what comes is just, well, I, I won't even spoil it for you. What, it's mind-blowing. What goes, what goes around comes around, my friend. Yes, exactly. So, and yeah, how. yeah. <laughs> and how, absolutely. Yeah. But that was, uh, yeah, that was Nightmare Alley. And uh, what a 
my word. What a fantastically good film. It's amazing. Yeah, it blew me it blew me away, mate. Both times, both times I watched it. It's just yeah, and I and I will be watching it and buying it as well. So I, I can't wait for that Blu-ray to come out. So Amazing. Yeah. yeah it's it's wonderful. So before we leave, mm. we need to go on to the pressing matter. The pressing matter that has been <laughs> It's been teasing me for a year. Go on. <laughs> I've been teasing it. We'll no, find it out maybe, tonight, folks. <laughs> maybe maybe about half a year. Maybe about six months um, mm-hmm. that I have that I decided. Well, you know, Adams picked uh, every movie so far. Well, apart from a couple of listener suggestions, I mean, Sherlock Holmes was suggested to us by uh, by one of our listeners, and so was a James Cagney movie. So you know, we we do take suggestions, but I just thought fifteen. We've we've done well. We've had our year anniversary, so I thought it was about time that I the. <laughs> The bad boy of Golden Age Cinema picked a uh, a film to, to for us to watch mm-hmm. and talk about. And um, as I said to Adam uh, off mic, I was almost going to go for Harvey just because it's my favourite film. And but I don't know. Is there much more we can say about Harvey that hasn't been said before? And uh, and you know, I know I know it off by heart, just like you know various other films off by heart. So no, I decided not to go for that. Okay, but if you remember from the last episode, I did assuage your fears by saying because you you flippantly said, "Oh, it's Terminator 2, isn't it?" And it's like, well, <laughs> one day, my friend, we will do Terminator Two, but this is not that day. No, no. So I said, no, no. It's a film from the forties, so we are staying in the forties. So mm-hmm. you know, it is pure uh, all the best lines material. But no, I just thought we we should go with a film that I've never talked about on a podcast before and so I'd really like to talk about because I I think it's a, a really underrated classic. Um, Can I yeah. just say, people, so, quickly, before Smokey mm. announces this, I have mm. zero idea and I've been dying mm. to know for as long as you guys have. You so do. And I, Tell us. Put I, us out of our misery. I, I, I will, my friend, I will. And I, I hope you're as excited as me because, I, I, as I said, I've been dying to talk about this for a long time. So we are going to the year 1945, and we are doing the definitive ultimate review of the Brighton Strangler. What the hell are you saying to me? <laughs> what? <laughs> you can't do this film. Are you crazy? Yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do the Brighton Strangler. Oh yes, my god! Oh. <laughs> oh, that's the better reaction than I ever could have wished for. <laughs> of all the films you could have picked in the whole world, I can't believe it. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> he could have had Casablanca. Nope. He could have had Gone with the Wind. No. Nope. He could have had It's a Wonderful Life. No, nope, he picks. Nope. Canterbury. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> Just for you, my friend. Only That's how much for... I love oh you. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, this is a film I watch three times a week anyway. So I'm happy. I'm happy. <laughs> yep. I just thought, well, you've done one for Attaboy Clarence and all your audience <laughs> knows it. But I just thought, you know, for the people out there that... Actually, we should explain some context. You know, uh, Adam, one of Adam's favourite films, he has a poster up in his living room of the Brighton Strangler, <sighs> which he sometimes classes as one of the... What do you class it as? One of the best, worst movies ever or something? It's the best that. movie ever. <laughs> oh, okay, there we There's go. nothing worse than that. 
There we go. The Brighton Strangler so, stars John Loder, the worst actor yeah. of all time, with June yeah. Dupre. You know, he's not particularly wonderful. It's got a great supporting cast with Miles yeah. Mander and, you know, yeah. I, I, and Ian Wolf. It's the, <laughs> such a bad film. <laughs> but it's a masterpiece of bad filmmaking. It's, uh, you know, it contains seeds of exposition you wouldn't believe. It's like three people explaining who they are to each other for five minutes. Oh, yep. my God. It's such a bad film. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy. I think I, I thought that would make you so happy. I could talk about the Brighton Strangler all day long. Do you know, I was actually featured on the Brighton Strangler Wikipedia page for a while. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Are you not so, there anymore? No, no, it got taken down because someone, someone, I, honestly, and I swear to God it wasn't me, someone put on there that the Asper Clarence podcast was using a, a, a line from the Brighton Strangler Canterbury or something as its catchphrase and... Um, and it was very funny. I would point to people towards it. But then it got taken down by the moderators <laughs> who thought that's not worthy enough. But anyway, I'm happy. Very happy that the Brian Stranger is going to be. I, I, I wanted to surprise you, my friend. I I, I just thought, yeah, I, I need to bring something. That, as I said, I've never talked about it on a podcast before. You have many, many times. But I, I, I never have. It's my so most downloaded I, episode. of I know. <laughs> well, then. Hopefully, it will become our most downloaded episode as well. So, yeah. But no, we're going to do an in-depth dive, my friend, into the Brighton Strangler. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, well, I'm I'm glad I can make you almost cry. So (laughs) Can't wait. Can't wait. I'll talk about the film all day. I might go and watch it now, actually. I've already watched it this morning. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm trying to think how many times I've seen it just through knowing you. I think I've seen it three times. So, yeah, I I, I think I'm good. But I'm going to watch it again. Don't worry, I will. <clears> someone so, actually you know. posted on Twitter the other day because someone, for some reason, some company has mm. just released a DVD edition of it for the that. first was time it, in history. Was it Spanish was it? Yeah, it's like a Spanish edition of the film, um, and someone. Posted, oh my god, I've got the holy grail of Adam and Yeah, I saw that. I was like, wow, my god, I need that myself. Oh, you don't have it? I I, I have a digital edition, and I have six DVDs, but they're not official ones. Oh, hang on, what? You have six DVD copies of it? I get sent DVDs of this film all the time from people. Anyway, let's, let's, let's save it for next time, that'd be cool. Anyway. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Well, um... Let's let's do some pimping before we go. So, um, if anyone has uh, suggestions that they want to uh, to give us, they can do it at uh, bestlinespod or all the best lines at gmail dot com. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't forget, people, you you have broken our streak. We've had no emails, so send tons of emails, all praising Adam, and uh, so we can make him cringe. So we can not read them out. Thank you. Yeah, so so I can read them out and he can go over in the corner crying. Well, I'll be editing that episode then. No, you won't. Yes, no, you won't. Just like I'm editing this one. Don't so, email us and, and putting so many Iron Maiden stings in there. But um, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, but no, please get in touch with us. Please do. And thank you very much for listening and downloading. But this has been an absolute joy. What a fantastic film. And what a fantastic film we have coming next. Oh, my God. The greatest film of all time. Oh, by the way, I'm going to ask for your rating mm. now. Well, the Brighton Strangler. Yeah. Uh, well, hang on. I I'm will not, have rated it. I'm not recording on... it with you unless you rate it a ten right now. 
Uh, on my list, because I've watched it before, on my list, I have got it an 8 out of 10 at the moment. That's not good enough. Sorry. <laughs> on, on IMDb, it's a 6.3. I won't so be here. <laughs> IMDb is a 6.3, so I'm above the average. 6.3? That's extraordinarily high. Hang on. Uh, out of how many people? Uh, 483 people have rated it, and it's got a 6.3. All right. Well, they're all mad. It should be a one. <laughs> yes, but at least they're adults and rate out of ten. Remember that, listeners. Okay. So, yeah. So, anyway, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, never forget, my good friend Adam, all the best. Limes, smoky books. <laughs> Must be nice to whack in a maiden again. What happened to that since I was 12? Ugh. Jesus! Ooh. Ooh. God! Oh. Anyway, 14 shows we lasted. 14 shows before I broke Adam. Good heavens. <laughs>